Hello and welcome back to episode 13 of the Computomics podcast. I am really looking forward to this week's discussion with Saskia Biskop, the founder or co-founder and managing director of Segat, a company that's based in Tübingen, Germany, where Computomics is also founded. And they specialize in human genetic testing for identifying disease-causing mutations in patients. Saskia and I actually completed our PhD at the same institute, but at different times. And while she started Segat with her husband in 2009, I started my PhD in 2011. And I've seen her company grow and develop over the years. And I'm sure it's in large part to her vision and her tenacity. And I'm very excited to have her here with us. And with that said, let's get on with the show. Saskia, welcome to the podcast and very happy to have you here. Hello, Anna. So it's a pleasure. Great. As um, as I mentioned in our discussion before the podcast, I've always had this feeling like you valued communication. I feel like you were always willing to to talk and to sort of discuss the future of things and to be a visionary, but not just a visionary, but also to share that vision uh, with people and to spread the message about Segat even from early on. Can you kind of give us a quick overview of your journey to where you are now and how speaking out has contributed to that? Yes, I, I can try. So. Dirk, my husband and I, we founded uh, CGAT in 2009, like you, you said, and uh, we were among the first to use next generation sequencing in a diagnostic setting. So I uh, studied medicine and uh, specialized in human genetics, and I saw many patients um, uh, during this time, and um, I saw that there's a big need in identifying the cause of a disease. Um, take um, breast cancer patients, for example, and it was not a good situation that it took for months, sometimes even years, to identify the cause of the, the, uh, the disease. And now, when, with the new uh, generation of uh, the technology, the next generation sequencing, we were able to sequence the whole genome within short time and identify the cause. So that was something really fascinating. I at the time worked on a Parkinson gene that was pretty large and I used the technology to identify mutations uh, in patients. And uh, so that was the beginning of CGAT and now the last years it was our main goal to use new technologies and bring them to the patients as fast as possible. Yeah, and I think part of that bringing, you know, bringing things quickly requires a passion for making things happen. And I think that you've talked about that before, how you really believe in if you see a need to really, um, you know, to really deliver on that need, right? And how has that sort of mentality played into where the company is now? Uh, we not only focus on sequencing, as you know, there, there's so much competition in the field. There are so many places um, that do sequencing only. And we always try to see the complete picture. So from seeing the patients, getting in contact with the clinician, understanding the question they have, the families have, and then use the technology to find answers um, is, is a never ending journey. And so when you find the mutation, you cannot really know the treatment yet. You don't know the modifiers of the disease. And I think this is something you, you are also very interested in, is the microbiome. So since um, several years, and actually together with uh, Sebastian, 
and other colleagues here in Tübingen, I came across the microbiome and understood that this is going to play a huge role in, in, um, in identifying disease-modifying factors. And so I, I think there's a need in understanding the, in the microbiome in each patient. You know, the human genome is only a small part and, and the, the, the microbiome is huge and we have to understand it in order to treat um, patients better in the future. So this is something we really have to understand much better. Yeah, definitely. And it's actually interesting when I was sort of thinking about the intro, I know that Seagat is a human genetics company, but somehow I thought, yeah, but what about the millions of uh, microbial genomes, you know? So it's almost like, yes, it's a human genetics company, but it's maybe you know, even more than that, um, just like, of course, computomics, we do agricultural challenges, but also metagenomics. And it's so hard to capture that because in life, it's it's an interplay between life, right? So human genetics plays into microbial genetics and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe you can give us an example of how you integrate uh, metagenomics and microbiome analysis into your workflows or into the way you care for patients. Yes, I'm happy to do that. So, um, uh, when I started to sequence tumors, um, uh, which is really challenging and also very interesting, um, we established this um, to find uh, treatment options that are personalized to uh, the individual tumor. And so we understood the tumor in very detail and we brought it to the molecular tumor boards and the oncologist made suggestions. and then. You know that in 2018, the Nobel Prize was given for the um, um, for introducing immune therapies uh, for cancer patients, and that was really a revolution. When uh, there was an understanding that the immune system can actually fight cancer, and then this was the next step where we jumped on the immune system, wanted to understand the immune system in very detail, wanted to understand how the immune system interacts with cancer cells and how we can modify this and understand this. Then um, the microbiome came uh, as a third major player because um, the idea is that the gut microbiome, of course, uh, influences uh, the T-cell um, repertoire and immune therapies seem to work especially good when there's uh, diversity in the microbiome and uh, diversity in the T-cell uh, repertoire and this could then give us an indication how good an immune therapy would work in a patient. So when the immune therapies were discovered, um, immediately it was seen that they are not effective in every patient. So if 30% of the patients um, can benefit from immune therapies, there's still 70% who cannot. And there we are interested in whether the microbiome plays a role in how, and that is I think a unique chance, how if you influence the microbiome, you might also influence uh, treatment success. Wow, that's so interesting. And I feel like we must have been thinking along the same lines. Um, so my PhD with, uh, was on SCA3, so spinocerebellar ataxia type 3, which is also a neurological disorder. And then I did my postdoc working uh, in an immunology lab because I was just so convinced that there's no way that neuronal death happens in an isolated environment, right? So there's no way these things function on their own. And I feel like that's the next generation of science is integrating these things, right? Integrating Im immune response with tumors or neurological disease and the microbiome and the way these things really 
really uh, play with each other or interact with each other. And I I think that's so um, I think that's so progressive and so correct to provide an integrated way of therapy for your patients. Do you think people are surprised when you offer your patients, I don't know, microbiome analysis, or are they sort of receptive to that? It's interesting because today I had a patient with glioblastoma, um, which is a a really um, severe disease and a brain tumor with a very uh, bad prognosis. And um, this patient is receiving a personalized uh, vaccine Um, And I proposed to sequence the microbiome on a research basis to this patient. So, um, and the patient was so interested, so immediately they thought about how this could, uh, how how much they could learn on on their nutrition and diet. And and so, not a single time uh, a patient was not interested. It was just the other way around. And, and now they really want the data. And I have to say, well, you know, when we look at the data together, there's nothing we can take from it right now. We can see a lot. Uh, we can see all the different species and we can see lots of colored images, but it doesn't tell us what to do. So at this point, I think we have to collect the data and we have to understand patterns but the patient knows that at this point we cannot really make any, any conclusion, but I, I'm convinced we have to collect the data now in order to make the right conclusion in the next years. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess a conclusion feels very definitive, right? So a conclusion feels like a thing that you reach, but probably in reality, these little bread cu- breadcrumbs that you collect now, um, somehow when you look back in 10 years, you realize that they did come together to make a loaf of bread, right? So it's not, it's just like with genetics, I feel like when at least I remember the promise of genetics was that essentially once we get this done, it's done, right? And um, that there will be a conclusion and all it unraveled is just another layer, right? So I guess probably the same thing will happen as we analyze more and more microbiomes connected to more and more conditions. It will just unravel the next layer. Or do you think that there will really be a conclusion? Uh, Both, I would say. Um, because there are already some papers showing that, especially, for example, in pancreatic cancer, um, a specific um, species seem to be associated with long-term survival. And so I think um, it it can also be uh, the situation that um, we have some findings or findings that are published that that help us to... um, tell the patient a little bit better on how what they should do and what they what they should not do at this point we we just don't know anything uh, but i think it's 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 going to be both that'd be that would be really great i think um, so my first job was in cytogenetics, and we, of course, did tumor analysis with cytogenetics initially, right, because sequencing wasn't able to uncover the complexity, as you mentioned. And I remember thinking, um, because chromosomal abnormalities are just, can be so rampant and, and crazy in tumors, um, and I remember thinking, like, wow, that feels like such a challenge bio- bioinformatics-wise for, for sequencing, but as you mentioned, it's kind of come around, and I guess the same thing, now it feels like such a road to go down with metagenomics and microbiome analysis, but I guess, you know, I guess we'll see where we get. What do you think, 10 years, five years? 
less. Uh, I That's hope so less. Great. But it's it's uh, it's interesting that you also come from the neurodegenerative uh, disease field, like like myself. I, I worked on Parkinson's disease for a long time, right. and uh, I switched into the cancer field uh, because I, I think here uh, things are moving much much faster. And all the findings we have, we can hopefully translate to patients with neurodegenerative diseases where um, research is not having such a fast pace like in, in cancer. That's, that's what I always think too. Whenever I talk to somebody, my mind automatically feels um, like it wants to translate things to, um, to the people that I interacted with, you know, so closely. And, um, but yeah, I agree with you. Well, um, Wonderful talking with you. I know that you have patients to get back to. Maybe you can just leave us with um, another little thought of um, sort of where you want to see the field go. I know we sort of already touched on that, but maybe a wish list for for the field for the upcoming decade. Yeah, thank you, Anna, for your questions. And uh, yes, maybe last statement, I strongly believe in interdisciplinary teams. So the more diverse uh, people work together and um, this is going to, to move us and bring us forward. So that would be my last wish, that everyone is working together and not against each other. Oh, that's such a message for the world these days, as I feel like we are more and more divided and the world separates us more and more. I think that's probably a, a message of healing, not just for science, but probably for our global community. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you everyone for listening to episode 13 of the Computomics podcast. As always, I hope you learned something, you enjoyed yourself. I really enjoyed doing this interview with Saskia and I hope that you get a chance to uh, check her out, check out her journey and look into her company and see if that's something that you or your patients would benefit from or for collaboration perhaps is in order. And as always, please rate and review this podcast and I look forward to being with you next time. Thank you.